this morning we're, we're doing uh, just a single message uh, for this weekend on uh, John chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in John 6, looking at verses 22 through 36. Um, this week I've really just been um, reading and reflecting on, on the gospel of John. I just, just feel like in my study time, I've shared with you right now as I'm just kind of personally studying through 1 Corinthians, um, very weighty, uh, intense book uh, in one of Paul's letters. But really, I've, I, in my time, I also just feel like I, I can't leave away from reading through the gospel of John. Um, and so this week, I've really been uh, just reflecting on this, and I've been praying for you a lot. Um, and so what I want to focus us in on this morning and, and get at the heart of for us is what it means to truly seek Jesus. Um, really, for me, there's a tendency. Um, I just feel a need to just kind of scrap what I have written in the moment, just of, of an introduction. But really, just to share with you. There are those moments, I think, in life and in ministry, um, especially whether you're volunteer or paid in ministry, where the tendency is we just feel these highs. We feel these highs of like, this is what it looked like to seek Jesus. This is what it looked like to be in intense relationship with Jesus. Maybe we felt some, some freedom um, from our sin or from a way of life that we feel then, man, this is now how I'm walking in Christ. This is how I'm able to. And I, and I was just kind of processing that this week. Um, often what I'll do is I'll just kind of come out here into the auditorium and I'll sit in some of the chairs that you sit in. Um, and I'll just kind of close my eyes and pray, God, what do you want me to speak this weekend? How do you want me to word this? And so I'll pray through it and I'll think of, uh, of some of you by name and think of all the faces that I saw the weekend before and what God's doing in all of those stories. But what I was thinking of this morning and last night also is, is moments where I really felt like I was genuinely seeking Jesus. And all of, those, all of those moments for me really were, were more so defined by a, by a high. That, that some of them were very genuine. I remember one time when I got up to teach, and in teaching the word, I, before getting up, I just felt nervous. I, I felt like I didn't know where I was uh, fully going to go in the text. Although I had studied and it was all written, I felt very unsure and just kind of insecure. And God, what if I take this? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just pressed in, uh, in that time where I'm just on my knees, was begging God, please help me not to tank this. And I just remember the Holy Spirit just saying, if you tank it, God still loves you. And that was absolutely freeing. And I got up and I said, whatever God wanted me to say. And I think sometimes when we get into uh, life, whether in Christian circles or non-Christian circles, the, the circumstances and the criticisms of life just weigh so heavy on us that we move away from, from true belief in a way. We, we move away from this point of truly believing the words of Jesus to really believing lies. And so what, what tends to happen then in the midst of that is we're, we're more kind of focused on seeking our own, our own want, our, what we think our own need is, not really what the Lord has for us. And so as I've been just reflecting this last week on, on some of the moments where I've had with Jesus, they're, they're not all these highs. They're not all these mountaintop kind of experiences where I'm like, man, I want to go back to that. There's, there's kind of those moments in our, in our lives where we've met with Jesus and they're just absolutely incredible. They've completely wrecked us in our relationship. And, and sometimes for us, we want to go back to that point. But at the same time, 
faithful believers lean into seeking Jesus truly. And sometimes that's not out of feeling. Sometimes it's getting up early in the morning and saying, Jesus, regardless of how I feel, I will seek you. Regardless of what I want and what I think I need, I will seek you. I want to pursue you for you, not for the benefit of you. Not for the idea of you, but genuinely to be near to you. Genuinely to be in relationship with you. And and the reality is, in our churches, we have those that don't even know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And and even in this idea of seeking Jesus, it's really at the idea or the mountaintop high of what they've seen. This crazy worship experience or this great Bible study time or this great prayer time, but it lacks a true and genuine relationship. And so really, as we look at John 6, my heart is really to have us look at what it means to truly seek Jesus. Because in the midst of this text, there's a group that's not truly seeking Jesus. There's a group that's really just seeking Jesus for their own want and for their own personal physical need, not for their eternal need. And so really in this text, uh, really in this single message, what I want to really bring us in in seeking Jesus is really what the heart of the gospel of John is. We see this, John writes in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. He says that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That you may have life in his name. And so as we go to read, what I just want to share with you, what what we need to understand is happening is really the book of John is highlighting towards the end of Jesus's ministry. This is kind of the the, the major focus of Jesus's ministry. And it's one of the, the gospels that clearly just says, here's who Jesus is. And I want you to know this so that you would believe in him. And so at the beginning of chapter six, what we see is Jesus do one of the the most incredible and and one of the most popular signs and and miracles is where he feeds the 5,000. And remember, it was recorded as 5,000 men. So you you would imagine also there's many more because of the women there and the children there. And Jesus takes just a few things and he multiplies them to feed the whole crowd. He does this amazing thing for them to see. Mountaintop experience. And then also Jesus before his disciples, they go off into the, into the boat alone after this mountaintop experience and Jesus comes out to them, but he doesn't just bring his own boat out. Jesus literally walks on water towards them. Mountaintop experience. He calms the chaos on the water and says, I'm here, trust me. So where we pick up in John chapter six is where the crowd is now not with Jesus, but they're wondering, where is Jesus Where is he? Because we want to experience this again. But really what we see is that their motive is wrong. What we'll really see in the text is a wrong motive or a wrong focus. And so we're going to read in John chapter 6, starting in verse 22. And if you don't have a Bible, not only is it on the screen behind me, but back here in the corner, there are Bibles as well available. So starting in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from 
Tiberius came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which, is, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. And so here's what's happening really in the text is that Jesus is addressing the crowd on the fact that they wanted to be close enough to Jesus to get the benefits of Jesus, but not so close that it would require sacrifice. And so really what we see in our text, our, our sentence, is that when we seek Jesus, he exposes our need, he reveals our motive, and he points us towards true belief. That really what we actually need and what we think we need are not always the same. In verse 26, Jesus exposes the real reason the crowd had come to see him. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And so really what they were seeking out was they were seeking Jesus on a stomach level, not a soul level. So then in verse 27 that we read, Jesus goes on to tell them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. See, in, here, here's the difficult part for us when we look at the word life in this text. In Greek, there are a couple ways to, to talk about life, but in English, we only have one. And so we just think of life on this singular level. And, and so I could ask you two different questions with very different meanings, but with using the same root word for life. So I could come to you in a panic saying, are you alive? Is there life in you? Or I could come to you casually and just say, hey, how's life? So this is the same word, two extremely different meanings. But in the Greek, they have different words to express the, those different meanings of life. And so John uses a very different meaning than, than what we would typically think. And so one of the first words in the Greek for the word life is bios, meaning physical life, material life. But the second is the word zoe. And this word means that it goes beyond the physical life. It means eternal life. The life that only Jesus can offer. 
And so here, John gives us great clarity in his gospel that while the people are looking for the food that perishes, Jesus is offering a food that gives Zoe eternal life. And so the problem that the people saw is not the same problem that Jesus saw. And how often is that the truth? The problem that we see is not always the same problem that Jesus sees. That Jesus, in fact, shows them their true need. That while they were concerned with their stomachs, he was concerned with their hearts. He was concerned with their souls. And so they were seeking a bios problem, but Jesus was showing them their need was a Zoe solution. I think it's really easy for us to just look at this text and sit back and go, man, I cannot believe that they would be seeking Jesus. They could see all of these things around them and not believe and not be seeking Jesus for Zoe, for this eternal life. But I think that for ourselves, we're not far off from the problem. I think it's easy to disconnect ourselves from the text, but the reality is we're not far off from the problem. Because our human tendency is really to minimize our problem and then to look for a solution to our problem and really look for a solution that we can control and really manage rather than really address the issue, how do I remove this from my life? It's more of how do I control this in my life rather than coming to it honestly and realizing that we're focused on the wrong thing. So how this tends to play out then in our lives is that when, we, when we're trying to find life in anything and everything that we hope will satisfy that isn't Jesus. So really the result of this type of pursuit is a pursuit in life in hopes of this self-satisfaction while being increasingly dissatisfied. When we're seeking this bios type of life with a Zoe need, what bios type of life, if that's our focus, if that's our goal, just the temporary, just the physical life, if that's what we're seeking Jesus for, then the relief in our circumstances and our pains of life are really only going to drive us deeper into depression and deeper into addiction. Think about it. Seeking the pleasures of life, the lusts of life, and the flesh of life, all while just feeling empty. All of this is what happens when we're, we're seeking a, a, a bios result when we really have a zoe, when we have a zoe need. Both of these mean life, but which life are you focused on? Are you focused on the life that gives you eternal life? Or are you focused on the bios life that is only the temporary? The things that don't bring eternal relief. It's almost like the person who seeks more affirmation through the opinions of others who, who really mostly don't even care, don't even care about you. But what Jesus is saying here is that you're, whatever you're looking for in life, that is what you're feasting on. That's what you are seeking after for nourishment. So if, you're, if you find your life in things that perish, you will never be filled and so this is why we, we always have this tendency to focus on get more, do better, buy more. This is why we're always in debt, always seeking the next thing, the next resolve, the next solution. And so the, the reality is that we, we, we just try to numb out to the fact that that high is going to wear off. That high is going to wear off, that that pleasure is passing quickly. 
and those compliments that you're, you're seeking out and making your life about will fade. That ultimately, none of these things will fill us. None of these things will bring eternal life for us because we need a Zoe solution for our Zoe need. We need an eternal solution for our eternal need. The second thing that we see that Jesus does is he reveals our motive when we seek him. In verse 32 and 33, Jesus is telling the crowd that just as God provided manna, bread from heaven, when God's people were in the wilderness, God has now provided a greater bread, a greater bread that will never fade through Jesus. It says in verse 32 and 33 that truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so really in this conversation, in our text, between what we see between Jesus and the crowd it is an event that has taken place in the Old Testament that they're referencing. That the people are hoping for Jesus to be something he's not come to be. And so really in that context, what we need to understand is that if you go back to the book of Exodus, we see God's people in slavery. And there's this tyrant named Pharaoh who's enslaved God's people and murdering God's people and oppressing God's people. And so God sends his servant Moses. And he sends his plagues and delivers his people from slavery with a mighty hand. He brings them out through the waters of the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And in chapter 15 of the book of Exodus, we see them singing this song called the Song of Moses. And they're saying, God is our deliverer. God is strong. God prevailed over Pharaoh and his chariots. And then from verse, er, chapter 15 to chapter 16, what we see then later in the book of Exodus is they're singing a song now how God has left them in the desert. God has left them alone and they don't have any food. And they're, they're very ungrateful for this and, and for what God has done. He's freed them, but, but they don't feel free anymore. And so what happens is as they're in the wilderness, they say, we, we had food in Egypt. We, we were back here. Maybe things were bad, but we had food. We have no food here. And so in the midst of a grumbling people, because church people were different back then, I'm glad some of you got that. God sends bread from heaven called manna. And he sends enough bread, enough manna for his people every day, just enough for that day. He sends them enough for what their need is, not what they think their need is, but what their true need is. And on the sixth, sixth day, he sends enough for two days so that the people could rest on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath. And then God sends this manna from heaven, this bread from heaven. God sends to his people for 40 years. Every day they wake up and God provides. Every day they wake up and God provides. And so fast forward from there, several hundreds and hundreds of years. And what have the people just seen Jesus do? Multiply the loaves. Lift up the loaves to heaven and down comes more. And so they see this and they say, okay, this is the sign that accompanies the coming of the Messiah. 
This is what we've been hoping for. This is what we're anticipating. And so they come to Jesus and they start the conversation with Jesus, but Jesus knows their hearts. He he understands what their motive truly is. They want Jesus to be the new Moses. They, they They want God to, in the moment, fill their bios need. They have the wrong motive. They wanted daily physical bread. Jesus, just lift it up once more. Take care of what my need is, but the motive is wrong. They they just want him to be set up and king among them on earth. So they weren't really looking for a savior. They're not coming to him as the Lord of their life. They're coming to him as the provider of the physical need, wanting to be close enough to Jesus to receive the benefits of Jesus, but not so close that it will cost them something. So this is where Jesus starts to reveal their true motive to follow him. That they're really not looking to him as savior of their life. That's not really why they're seeking him. They're seeking him to fill their bios need. And since the audience continues to miss the point, Jesus is, ref- is just referring to himself as the one who is sent by God. I'm sent for a greater need. And so G- Jesus makes the point explicit in the text. Listen, faith that isn't actively following Jesus is something other than faith. Faith that isn't actively following Jesus is something other than faith. Meaning that without a response, you're just spiritual. You just have all of these people coming along, wanting to be a part of the ministry with Jesus, but just for what they can get out of it, not what they can surrender to, not what they can give to Jesus. So really, you just have a bunch of religious people without relationship. You have a bunch of religious people without relationship. But Jesus continues to press in with them and point them towards true belief. And this is where the turning point is for the crowd. This is the definition of life that they just cannot accept. This is the point where they just say, listen, it's, it's too hard. We love the bread. We love the miracles. We love the perks. But there's too much cost. And Jesus comes and he says, I have not come to bring bread. I've come to be the bread. I am the bread of life. I've not come to improve your bios life. I've come to be your Zoe life. And to that, they reject the definition of life from him. And so God says that what our true Zoe is, is that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life, which means that he is both the means and the meaning of life. That the mean, he's the means by which we live and the meaning of what life is all about. And so really what Jesus is saying here in, in the text is Jesus looks at them and says, I'm all you need. All of these times where you've been searching and, and seeking for a bios need, you really have a Zoe need. I'm all you need. I am the thing that you are looking for to have me and nothing else is to have everything. To have me and nothing else is to have everything. So then he says, turn from whatever it is you're currently looking for, whatever you're looking to for life and turn to me. And to that, the the crowd responds to Jesus, no, we're not gonna do that. That costs too much. We're not down for that. 
We just want you to do what you did hundreds of years ago for our people. We just want you to provide how we want you to provide. And for them, they were fine as long as they got Jesus and the bread. So, so they liked that Jesus. They liked the Jesus in the moments of him filling what they thought their need was. They wanted to make that Jesus king. Jesus, just stay here with us. Just set up camp here and, and just be here. Be our earthly king. And Jesus says, no. No, there's a greater need. So what we see is as soon as Jesus demands true belief from them, as soon as Jesus demands allegiance to him only, Jesus really says to them, the thing that you're currently looking to for life, the bread you want won't actually fill you. So he says, turn from that and trust in me. Know that I am the bread of life. Seek me for me. And as soon as he draws, draws a line in the sand, the crowd, just in wave after wave, walks away. We, we see this in verse 60. It says that the, the crowd says, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? This, this is a hard saying. This is a hard teaching. Who can follow it? And so wave after wave, they walk away. And what intrigues me so much is that there were so many that, that had spent near years with Jesus. They had spent years with Jesus. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen him reach out to people. They had encountered the real Jesus, but they weren't truly following Jesus. And so this is, this is the reality of what we often see today is that many who claim to follow Jesus are not actually following Jesus. It's that they like the idea of Jesus, but they do not truly believe in Jesus for their, their eternal life. They, they, they like the whole hippie idea of Jesus. Let's go be homeless and do ministry with our life. But once he says later in the text of John 6, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. That, that's when they're saying, I'm out. I can't do that. I can't have you be the source of what my life is about. That's, that's too costly. That's too costly. So they liked the idea of Jesus, but they didn't truly believe in Jesus. And the reality is some of those people are, are not just those in, in this New Testament chapter. It, it's even some of us today that we like the idea of Jesus but we don't truly believe in Jesus. We don't truly follow Jesus for Jesus. And Jesus made it clear that he desires fully committed followers who are truly and genuinely seeking him and understand the cost of following him. He desires that those who would follow him would understand that there, there is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no salvation without surrender. There's no life, no Zoe life without death of the bios life. And there's no belief, there's no true belief without following. And so many in this turned away, it's too costly. This is a hard teaching. Who can really understand and pursue this? And in the midst of all of the other people turning away, Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks them in verse 67 through 69, do you want to go away as well? 
Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where where would we go from here if we left? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So what we see from this is that the disciples chose to walk in true belief. The disciples chose to walk in true belief. And the the reality of true belief is that it, it doesn't have everything figured out. To truly believe in Jesus and say, I will follow you no matter what the cost. I will follow you with my whole life does not mean that you're stepping into a life of having it all figured out. It doesn't mean that you're stepping into a life where you said, I have all the questions answered. I know everything. True belief just simply and basically in a very raw and real way comes to Jesus and says, where would we go, Lord? I truly believe in you. Where would we go from here? That if we left this spot right now, if you called me to walk away from this job, if you called me to walk away from this relationship, if you called me to walk away from this habit, from this practice, where would we go from here? Where would you have me go from here? See, true belief is where the believer says, there is nowhere for us to turn but to you, Jesus. There is nowhere I would rather be than with you, Jesus. That's true belief. So let me just close our our time by by encouraging you to ask this question. And then I'm gonna really just have us spend just a couple moments in prayer and just really take an opportunity just to surrender to Jesus, our own direction, and just say, where where would you have us go? Individually, corporately. But I wanna invite you to to pray that and, and to ask this question if you're truly seeking with true belief, if you're gonna ask, where, where would we go from here? You first have to ask, am I seeking Jesus? Am I seeking Jesus? Let's pray.